Welcome to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Every week, I host live chats via our YouTube channel with leaders in the AFL and high-performance industries. Join me live every Sunday at 6pm where I debrief the recent chats and announce the upcoming guests. We drop an inspiring and educational episode every Monday. If you like the show, please follow us on your favourite podcast app. Next on the show, we have Nathan Chapman, the founder of Pro Kick Australia, which are located all around Australia. In fact, Josh Groydon is the Adelaide coach representative for Pro Kick Australia. So super excited to have him on. We're going to discuss how footballers can develop their American football kicking if they want to work towards being a college athlete. So welcome, Nathan, and, and thanks for jumping on to the podcast, mate. Thanks, Jack. Appreciate appreciate Tom and Ben, and nice to meet you. Mr. Williams, and nice to see you too, Josh. Take us through Pro Kick Australia. When did you found the business? When did you start? Oh, I think the uh, the idea stemmed maybe 2007. Finished an AFL career and still wanted to do something, I guess, sport-related and always felt like I could kick a ball. So tried the punting game, um, didn't quite make it. You know, had some, had spent some time there in the States for a little while, didn't quite make it, but I knew there was an avenue to... I knew there was a number of people in Australia who could kick and I just felt like there was more opportunity for guys if they went about it the right way. And obviously some things that I did were, were good, but also probably not the right way to have longevity over there and understanding the system. So I went about helping young men get a, get a spot at college, get them scholarships to university so they could get their degree and you know, potentially go into the pros after that. He's, yeah. he's, being, yeah. he's being humble, Jack. Sorry, he's being humble. I think I listened to that podcast you had with Kevin and he said that Nathan was one of the best kicks he's ever seen. And now I've seen it in person at his age, roosting 50, 60 metres off a couple of steps. So it's quite impressive. I was literally that fogged up in my mind, uh, Josh, as you were saying it. Uh, I haven't seen Nathan kick, but when you interview an expert like Kevin on the podcast and he's seen that many people kick and he, and he mentions yourself, he must be pretty good, good technician. Talk us through for the kids listening that, want to develop their game either for Australian rules football and then we'll move into American punting in a second. But for AFL to start with, tech, as a technician, was that something that was natural towards and that was a strength that you sharpened as your career progressed or was it something that you had to work on and put a lot of time into to develop? Yeah, I, it was probably a bit of both and, and maybe the, the environment that I was in. I, I grew up in a small country town in Colburn Avon, country Victoria. Population was 200. Uh, I believe I was there from maybe age uh, six till ten, and the youngest underage football program there was under 18s. So, to play football as a eight and nine year old in the under 18s was you sort of had to learn pretty quick. So it was a case of <laughs> practice your skills, which I, I sort of felt like it, it sort of benefited me. You know, yeah, a couple of years into that, to to realise you had to go and get your own football, and you just had to play. Obviously, loved it. And then I think as I got a couple of years older, I then actually moved into a town of Bendigo and then been playing under-18s for three years and then, and then moved back to playing under-12s in the, the local school league and things like that. So I, I had a chance to develop, at, I guess, a different rate and it was force of nature to be able to you know, keep my spot in the team or, you know, just, just play the game around different levels and always being around and, and in, being encouraged to mix it with older guys and always seeing it and seeing the different level and trying to chase that. So I loved kicking on my left foot. And that was, again, spawned out of really bad ankle injury to my right foot. Spent the whole off-season and season kicking on my left side and just developed my whole left side for a whole year, maybe as a 14-year-old, 13, 14-year-old. And then just fell in love with kicking. And again, you know, Ben said before, it's sort of really an expression of who we are. For those who like to kick, 
it really can be an expression of who we are. We just enjoy it. And some people think it's golf. You know, there's something that you just you feel really connected to. Entered a long kicking competition as a, as a young fella and done that. Oh, yeah, had to kick a torpedo. So that's probably where it all started. Did all right there and then sort of never looked back. And so then I tended to work on it a fair bit more and it was just year after year after year and felt like it was a strength. And, yeah, and that's sort of probably where it all began. Yeah, you mentioned the environment was, was uh, something that you found helped you not only work on your craft but also having those peers and people older than you to help. We're surrounded by technology and information these days with smartphones, computers and all the rest. How important is it to still have your face-to-face mentors, do you think, at football clubs? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, again, there's probably different versions of mentors too and some will, you know, some are giving good information about maybe what's needed from a skill set, you know, improvement, a technical point of view and some it's, it's about confidence and, you know, giving them the confidence to try different skills and, and not worry about the failures along the way. It's not, you know, so there's probably, yeah, different mentors along the way that build you up all around and, and build you towards a peak of being able to deliver the skill but have the confidence to do it, have the confidence to get over, you know, it's not failure but a bad kick. And, and I think there's, there's plenty of room for lots of people to, you know, to enhance your own performance along the way in your journey. And you mentioned after AFL you, you gave punting a go. How, how popular was it? To make that decision at that time how did you hear about taking on that feat i felt like i was pretty determined in my own mind to challenge myself in another area i was 25 i didn't i felt like there was more you know from a, a sporting world you know, or, you know being a professional athlete, it was pretty hard to leave the the afl i was probably i felt like i'd just gotten into my true man strength and you know that the body the body was just right to go it was as strong as it ever was, yeah. But uh, for the, you know, certain reasons, the football side didn't work out, and that was, although it was hard to take, and it took me a little while to go, okay, what's next? It was sort of certainly what I needed to chase something, and kicking the ball was something that I enjoyed. Thought I was good enough at it. I'd been practicing long enough for it, and I wanted to test myself, and and that's when I started that journey to chase that, which was in fact. A three-year journey, kicking three to four times a week without even knowing what the end result or goal was going to be. I just knew that there was something there, and I didn't know how I was going to get there. I didn't know how long it was going to take, and and mm-hmm. I just just kept at it, to be honest. And now you've created a company from that experience. What what did you love about uh, America and and the game and and the, and punting itself? I felt like what it did was it made me it made me think harder about the skill itself. And like I would say with a lot of things that you can sometimes do, if you do it long enough, you know, the driving a car, sometimes you just, you just do. And mm-hmm. you can fall into a, a habit of, it's not complacency, but it's almost like you've been driving a car, it's fun, but then you've got to go and learn to drive a rally car. And all of a sudden, the driving that you do has really sharpened up into, well, what happens if I go around the corner at this speed? What if I, if the, if it's, you know, gravel or bitumen or whatever. And all of a sudden, just like the kicking, you've got to put more attention into what you're doing to get the best out of yourself. And so going back into punting to know that in the punting world, okay is not good enough. It is, you may get three or four kicks per game. Mm-hmm. Coaches rely on you to do your job. Coaches get paid and keep their job if you do a good job. And in the professional ranks, if you have a bad day, they will sack you and they will get someone else. So if you're if your paycheck's on the line, and I often give this analysis to try and get our students to understand 
the importance of, of taking care with what you're doing and not cutting corners and it's the finer detail is imagine if Buddy Franklin in his first ever two AFL games kicked two goals four and two goals six and then was sacked and never played again. That's the punting world. That is, have a bad game, they will replace you next week with another punter. Imagine if, imagine if the full forwards of the league, if they had a bad day, would just be replaced next week and the teams could just bring someone on. And if you did a good job, you'd stay until you didn't. And if they didn't, they would just bring someone in the next week. And that's the, I guess that's the industry. And so um, it makes you, makes you, I guess from a professional sense, earn your money. But it, we've got to try and develop young men into understanding that's the world they're getting into so that they've got to, got to take a, a fair bit of care with it. Yeah, and I imagine that. That exercise would hopefully develop a bit of urgency in these young boys and girls learning the, the craft. It is, it is different because the football, obviously, there's so many other things that are going on. It's not as specialised as, as punting. How, how hard can it be to teach footballers to, that are now committed to punting to now apply themselves to one skill set? Well, well it's, a, it's a really interesting point because there's the, the college game, in a sense, has now changed where, yes, we've got to teach the spiral. The Aussie drop punt has come into the game so much so that you might kick an Aussie drop punt 65% of the time at college. There are kicks where they might do a forward tumbling kick, kick it end over end forward so it tries to bounce and roll on. So over the last maybe several, well, maybe seven or eight years, the, the drop punt has come into our game a lot, our game, the American game. And because it's what used to be you would kick it high to the returner trying to catch it, now the game's turned into kick it away from the returner, kick it away from the guy who's trying to catch it and run it back. So bringing, having the ability to grow up playing Aussie rules and, and have a good fluent kick, have a good, an ability to place the ball where you need to, mm. it certainly has helped our guys, you know, I guess get you know, more approaches from, from colleges about what your skill sets are. Yes, we need to kick a spiral. And it is very difficult to, to change the muscle memory with the Aussie rules guy. Look, some guys have a natural ability to kick really high and some it's just about how far they can kick it. And so when you do a spiral, generally in AFL it's about, well, if you've got to do a spiral, it's about distance. So, so teaching somebody to hold the ball on a different angle, hold it four or five inches higher than where they usually hold it, you know, from a, from a drop height, you know, takes time. And so, again, we've got to go back to some pretty basic fundamentals to, to teach them what it feels like to kick the ball, not, let's say, just above your ankle height, but actually now up, up above your knee and so that you're swinging and you're kicking up versus kicking long. So it takes a while for them to be feeling comfortable with it. But, yeah, once they get it, it's, yeah, it's again, sometimes it's natural. Sometimes it is literally we've got to get them to stand and kick over a tree or a light pole. Once they physically see something in the air, they know what to do. But if you just have an open field, they go and revert back to, to habit, and that's what's, you know, what they've probably learned playing Aussie rules. And for the developing footballers listening in under the age of, let's say, 18 boys and girls, what sort of uh, distances have you seen people develop in a year's time when they've dedicated themselves and, and given it everything they can? What, what's possible? Yeah, yeah, what's possible? It's a different ball. It's got a different sweet spot. So the American balls, the American balls probably got a, you know, I guess a 50 cent size sweet spot on the middle of it. Um, it's quite, you know, pointy and sharp on the end. So it, it tends to 
react quite harshly if you get it wrong. We go, we go. I guess one of the main things that we do initially is to is to try and understand if they if they do understand how to maximise power or where are they getting their power from? Are they using their levers properly? Are they kicking with or without any efficiency from you know from the mechanical and the body posture? And so, because in the American football, you've only got two steps. You've got to catch it, you know, for a right footer, catch it, you'll step with your right foot, and then you'll jump into your left foot, which is your planned foot, and then you'll kick it. So, you know, one of the interesting scenarios is, is guys who feel like they've got to take, you know, many steps to, to gain some momentum and then try and kick up with it. But in the, in the reality of the game, it doesn't allow you to do it. So, we've got to strip that back to, uh, mechanics and efficiency from from kicking off no steps and being balanced and trying to work on your core and your posture and so forth and then transition transition that into kicking off one step and, and then you know and then being off two steps and then seeing the difference and you know you've got a true representative of someone who's done it in Josh who you might be able to ask a little bit later is once once you learn how to use your posture and your core and your plant foot to gain that extra power, you know, we like to say, hey, it's you're going to get more power with less effort. And, and then all of a sudden, the kicking and the striking of a football for distance becomes a lot easier. And if you're relaxed and calm and you don't have to try as hard, then if you don't have to try as hard, you won't step as long. And if you don't step as long, you won't lose as much power if you can stay compact in that. So, um, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a, Certainly a development side from a technical point of view, but also from the mind to understand that it's okay to take those steps and it's okay to take shorter steps in, you know, in our game so that you can be compact and, and then more efficient. But, Nathan, yeah. I need to ask you a question. Yeah. I've never been able to kick a talk in my life. I, I probably max out at about 45 metres ever. Yeah. How do you teach people to kick long? long. If you AFL, we're talking AFL now. Yep. What what were the one or two or two or three things that you'd say, oh, you're probably doing this. Should I hold the ball out further than a drop punt? Should I, you know, the angle you hold it on, uh, I, I've never been consistent. And even when I kick a nice torpedo, yep. it only goes 45 metres. So okay. what, what would be the reasons? Okay. I would say from a, from a torpedo point of view, I, and I'll, I'll just clarify this by asking, have we got a big run-up or have we got, will we say? As long as you like. As long okay. as you think is important. Okay. So if you're saying, right, we're going to kick a long-distance competition, yep. what, are, what is the distance you should run up and to get the effective or the, in the, most, you know, the best result you could? Yeah, okay. If you, if you ask anyone and if you ask me, I would say go off about three steps. That's all, that's all you need from a power. Yes, you can generate a little bit more leg speed, but you might get more leg speed but you might lose efficiency because your stepping pattern gets out of control and changes some, some angles. If you want a longer kick, a lot of guys probably don't understand the kicking height. So if we, if we talk about from a kicking height, we've got to work on the ball being on the same angle as our foot when we make contact. If this is our kicking foot and it starts to flip up, we want the ball to be on that angle as well as our foot to be on that angle when they cross paths. And if you, if you were to say... The ball will come off your foot, we'll say, at a 45-degree angle, no matter where you kick it from. So if you've got the ball, and let's say a perfect trajectory is, is that, for a, we'll say that for a long kick. 
for, a, for, a long, for a long drop punt, Kevin, it would be great if Kevin Ball was on here, but he says 30 degrees is optimal trajectory, just yep. for anyone playing at home. Okay, for a long drop punt? Long drop punt, yeah. So not people might think 45 is optimal, but that doesn't incorporate spin rates and like air resistance when you think of it oh. like a trajectory. But for a drop punt, he found that 30 degrees. So I think we about to say like it's a bit higher. You need to get that angle, you need to go a bit higher, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. So we've also got – so we've got our three steps. What I, I tend to like with for power, I like to make contact when your plant foot is flat on the ground and not on its toes, yeah. so your heel's not off, okay? Yeah. Uh, you, there are some other factors if you're leaning too far back and that, that, that won't work. But it's about if, you're, if the ball height on contact, the ball angle on contact are the same, and then our follow-through – is and again I'm given some, some rough numbers there. Our follow through goes 45 degrees as well, sort of through the same angle as the ball is going to come out. So we would t- generally say that we've got three kicks spirals. One is a really low spearing kick that's got a combat wind, and we need to sort of keep it really low and not let it get um, controlled by the wind. We've got our longest kick that is. Uh, mid-range and that's your long spiral with a little bit of hang time so let's say we'll call kick one is a low one kick two is a middle one and kick three is a really really high one for hang time we would say our lowest kick it is the contact points maybe halfway up your shin all right so when your your foot swings through it's already it's already on the up contact points about halfway up your shin of of your plant leg yeah, I know. I'm just, I'm just thinking of people at home who aren't quite seeing this. So yeah, no, yeah you're not contacting off your shin off the ball. And and you want to follow through to about waist height. You don't need to follow through up. Okay. Yeah. All right. You want the energy going through with the ball for our what we call our mid height kick, or it's actually the longest one we've got. We want to make contact just below the kneecap, and we want to follow. Then we want to follow through to about shoulder height. Only it goes more up and out. Our follow through is up and out, and then for our third kick, it's actually making contact above the kneecap, and that's when we follow through above our head. So if we think our three angles, really low kick, balls pointed down low because that's the same angle of our foot when it's swinging through. When we want our second range kick, our foot's followed through a little bit further, so then we change the ball angle again. And for our high one, our foot's followed through even further. And that's when we make and we drive up. So I would say make sure your the angle of the ball is the same angle pointed down as your connection point. Choco, um, if you if you want, you can go on my Instagram. I just made a video tonight um, of how to kick a talk based off of knowledge I learnt from Chappie um, when I came through as a punter. So it's like what it's like what it's um, something I never ever try and teach anyone. I've got no idea how to do it, so I just oh, leave mate. it to the experts. Um, <laughs> You know, really, what, it's probably three a game, maybe five, so, so, uh, well. Uh, well, there, there should be that. more, mate. There should be more. Get over the zone. Yeah, over the I zone watched would be the nice. game, you know, I watched the other game against the Bulldogs you guys had, and you had 15 guys in the defensive 50 trying to stop, you know, an, a forward entry, like inside 50 kick, and, like, you'd just love to see them rip out a barrel as opposed to trying to pick pick off a forward. I'm sure if I could kick them, I would have, <laughs> but... Uh... <laughs> And they, they're tailing off to the you know, the right, or uh, yeah, it could be doing anything. But uh, 
if they spin off again, if they spin off and go up and they shape and then they come down on their bum and they travel right to left for a right footer, yeah. that's just because the nose is too far pointed down. You've flicked it up, it's gone off its axis, it's tried to spin, and then it curls around, right? So See, I love this stuff. I love this stuff. Right. And as, you, as we've all said, see, we learn off each other. You know, this is uh, sitting here listening to this, I'm going, oh, yeah, that's pretty damn good, pretty damn and, good. And the thing is, there's three things that will happen with a spiral, and to Josh's point, in the AFL, if we go back a step to the NFL, you've got to kick it 60 metres, and you've got to put it in a 10-yard box to yeah, keep your yeah. job off two steps, and you've got 1.2 seconds to catch it and kick it. And you've got, you've got big guys right. running at you. <laughs> right. So if, yeah. if, if the skill set can be developed for professionals to be that accurate with that type of distance, and when I say 60 metres or a 60-yard kick, that's not including the minus 15 that you start. So if we're talking... 75 meters then we're certainly clearing the we're clearing the, the zone there right we're putting it on the wing so if you could consistently put it on the wing within a 10 yard box given any wind condition then i think it's a valuable kick to have and really if you set up you've got the one that flips out to the right and tickles over and you've got one that you drop inside and it goes 35 yards to the right well you can cover those three spots and away you go <laughs> that's true i think i think choco like you know you were my coach, and I didn't have a great kick, but now it has honestly become quite automatic to kick a top, like bang. And I, you know, I didn't have, I've got skinny legs, but just to get the technique right, and it's, it's pretty crazy. Well, it's, it's fun, wonderful to, to kind of learn that and say, well, you know, it, there's no reason that anyone can't do it. Right, right. Absolutely. But I think, it, I think a lot of it uh, you can apply into a drop punt as well. Oh, look, I'm sure. I'm yeah. 100% sure. Um, well, the, the power that we try and get for the NFL kick is is certainly the, the basis is the same, yet different angle for the ball, different drop height, et cetera. But the power you can get, again, I'll, I'll categorically say as a, as a mid-40s, we'll say mid-40s, mid-40 guy who forget that I've just done my Achilles, but let's just say given just by swinging a leg and having pretty good you know, mechanics or efficiency, no stress whatsoever about kicking 60 metres off one step. Wow, Just wow, wow. Putting the, putting the ball in the right spot and, and sort of swinging and making that connection point. And uh, it's like a lot of things. Doing the bench press. If you get your levers in the wrong spot, that bar's heavy. You get your, you know, your technique and your posture right, and then it's a lot easier. So just those things. And that's not easy. Yeah. It's hard. It, yeah. Sorry. You go, say, um, when we do the lessons, I feel like it's – for kicking, it's like swimming or golf or things that it's not necessarily a short program. Kicking, it's almost like if you really want to get into it, a lifelong skill you can keep getting better at because there are so many kicks and there is the opposite side of the body. And I just think it's like karate. You just keep going and you just keep getting better and better and better, but there's so much to learn. Just because I'm a, well, NFL, can you kick at boomerangs and those sort of balls or people don't want to do those? Or you kick, you know, wobbly ones and the things that we muck around in AFL? Can yeah, you kick absolutely. those sort of kicks as well? Yeah, yeah, bananas have come into the game. Yeah, there's now wobbly kicks. Can you make the ball float like you yeah. can with the footy? Yeah, you can. But, it's, um, again, there's the, the time and place and you've got to do it right. And if you don't do it right and it doesn't go far enough, yeah, it's I can imagine. 
that comes they on. In rugby, don't they, now? Uh, yeah. When they kick them up high, they float the ball so that it's a lot hard, harder than sitting at home watching it. You think, oh, why didn't they catch it? Uh, they're making the ball move around in the air. Yeah, you get really tricky, absolutely. Mm. Hey there, hope you're enjoying this episode with Nathan Chapman. We're just going to take a quick break to hear a snippet of our interview with Damien Carroll, the current head of development at the St Kilda Football Club. There'd be a lot of younger, you know, sort of your 15, 16, up to 19-year-old developing footballers watching this. Is there um, a trend, whether it be mindset, physical, that you've noticed over your experience where you get pretty excited when you, with your, whether it be the first training session you watch a kid yeah. train or first game where you see him play, like, oh, this guy's got a lot of potential or, or it might be the first chat you have with him? Or... Yeah, I think for me... Um even when they get into AFL level, but particularly with kids, uh, you know, young kids, we can be really quite poor at, at talent identification. There's so many, there's so much room for growth in all of us. And um, particularly, you know, for coaches of under 10s, 11 players out there and, and, you know, up to probably even under 15s, I think that once you start talking about their limitations, it, it really becomes um, quite common for them to believe those things and, and that could be an issue. And yeah. um, my, my, what I've learned is that, you know, even in my mind I've made judgments about people that, that, that can be wrong and I think you just really have to be conscious of what is coming out of your mouth and your body language with players and, and really trying to work with, what they want to improve on and, 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 and really sit down with them and understand why they're doing it. To hear more from Damien Carroll, make sure to scroll to episode four on the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Now back to the rest of the Nathan Chapman interview. Hope you enjoy. How much time do you think they need to dedicate for those 13-year-olds listening and thinking, geez, I might want to change the AFL game like you guys are saying, and in five years when I'm peaking, I'm going to kick over these zones and be the first to do it and change the game? How much time do you reckon these kids need to be putting in kids to master this craft or the AFL football? Yeah. Sorry, you you telling me you asking me if they want to kick a torpedo? No, they want to the precision that you're talking about. That American punter, you know, not obviously not to an Amer- a professional, but they can do it pretty close to that, so they can actually bring it into an AFL game without being dragged. Yeah. <laughs> They've got confidence in in their ability to deliver. Well, Justin Stetcher used to do it, didn't he? Kick out. He'd do it right. every time. Yeah. And he'd do it pretty damn well. And he'd yeah. kick it over the back of his own. Yeah. I would just say that, like, it's it's something that you can just incorporate into your fun kicks, right? And it's not that it's taking it away from your drop punt. It's just adding an extra kick to your repertoire. So, mm-hmm. yeah, if they're dedicating a bit of time every time they go kick a footy for it, you know, and as they get older and stronger, they're going to get better at it. But, um, yeah, learn learn the right way, learn a good way of doing it. And, yeah, yeah I think I'm like you were saying, it just, you just keep progressing as you just, you're yeah. always developing. Yeah, I sort yeah. of see and going to, you know, where do you want to take your kick level to and, and how far do you want to go with it at what level that you still enjoy it and it doesn't become an obsession. But it is the little things. And, and although, although there are so many things that can happen in a game and Aussie rules and different angles and everything, and there's so many different... Like I said, you never ever do two of the same thing. The American football, the ball snapped in a different area. You've got to catch it. Your body moves. There's different wind conditions. We still always remember to bring, no matter your skill set when you come to us, we take you back to making sure you can learn 
the mechanics for efficiency and be more powerful. Because from an AFL point of view, if you can be really powerful off one step and you can and you can harness the power of your core and your plant foot, and if you strike the ball better, you got you got a quicker kick. Um, it gets to its target quicker. If you can learn to do your kicking off two to three steps when you grab an AFL ball and be efficient when you release it, and if you use your, again, mechanics when you strike it, then all of a sudden if you can release the ball quicker and you can get it there quicker, then what you've actually opened up is you've opened up more options. So if you've got a, if you've got a teammate 25 metres away and a defender is 13 metres off them, your old five-step style slow kick, low efficiency might take, and I'm pulling numbers out here, two seconds to get there, which is enough time for that defender to come in. If you are efficient with your kick and you kick it off less steps and be efficient at it and kick with more power and less effort and it gets there quicker, then that defender can be closer and still not get there. So what it does is it, it sort of takes a little bit more less panic out of should I take that kick or, oh, no, I don't want to do it because someone's in range to intercept it. And what it does, it just means it gives you more options because you're more confident and you'll get it there quicker, less height, you know, all of those type of things. So, yeah. Uh, the Bulldogs need you right now. They're seven goals, 16, just so you know. Well, <laughs> well, yeah. They're pretty big sticks. The kicking that I do, I, I certainly try and take away their time all the time uh, to build it up, to make them, panic almost to the point where they are over the over the top and then bring it back a little bit but always pushing the edge of where that time uh, that they've got to make the decision get all their feet and their hands and everything set and then bang it yeah so don't don't just kick the ball kick it hard you know i I want them to kick it to the spot not just lob it to it you know anyone can lob it Uh, we want to make sure that the distance or the time it takes to get there is very very short yeah, absolutely. And it is, you know, we're going off kicking, but like I said, it's, it's reading the play about what you're going to do. What's your exit plan? And if you know where you're going to go before you get it, you can run in and go, I know where my options are. And if I get it right now, what am I going to do? So you've sort well, of got to do the field. That's soccer. You know, soccer, they, if you watch the, the experts in soccer, they see the ball come and then they know, they know where all their opponents are and then they put their eye back on the ball. And yeah. for footballers to be able to pick that up and basically map in their minds where everyone is, it uh, slows it down for them. That's for sure. Yeah, which means which means you can you can get your body into position because you already know your exit point, and you go, well, if it comes to me now, I know I've got to shape in and balance left because I'm going to kick left if I got it right now. And yeah, absolutely. Which yeah, less time, less confusion, less panic, and then you kick it efficiently, and all of a sudden yeah, it creates time, and that's where they they look. So calm, you know, the good guys look so calm when they've got it because I know what's going on. Yeah, well, I'll put it in now, but I think there's four things that get people drafted. If you can't kick, you can't play, as far as I'm concerned. So, uh, you know, we're talking coaches or we're talking players or parents, if they're listening, you better spend a lot of time on kick. And that's where I love the fact that you can improve people's kick if they spend the time with experts that know how to shortcut it. So that's what Josh is doing and that's, you know, what uh, Ben was doing before and yourself. You find the experts and uh, it takes them a lot less to get to uh, where they want to get to. 
Yeah, absolutely. Hey, you go, yeah, you go listen and put the time in. It's we love it and we can talk about it all day. And if you want to learn, we'll give you all of our attention because we, you know, we're sponges. We get a lot of joy out of seeing people succeed, don't we? Yeah. You know, you see a good kick. You know, tomorrow night we're playing Essendon, and if I see a good kick inside fifty that hits someone, I I, I get all the joy. That's yeah. that's what it's about. Wow, yeah. that was good. It's a good segue, uh, chap. Thanks for jumping on, mate. And Choco's ready to roll, I reckon. So we'll, we'll get him on. But for those that want to get in touch with you, Pro Kick Australia, what, what's the best place to follow yourself? Yeah, well, Where can they find um, you? yeah, I, I look at look after the Instagram Pro Kick Australia. I look after some Twitter, and every now and again, I'll update the website and I'll drop a few pictures along the way. But uh, yeah, Nathan at Pro Kick Australia dot uh, com is probably not a bad way to start. And to be honest, I encourage anyone who's even ever thought about it come down for a kick it's there's no pressure it's just it's actually a lot of fun but it's certainly uh it's certainly changed a lot of lives you know we're, yeah. we're almost done we're at 997 scholarships to college which is probably saving, mate. probably well, saving, it's over 45 million dollars worth of college education fees for families and it's Again, a good pathway. If you're interested, make a phone call and, and have a kick. And if it's not for you, A, we'll tell you. B, you just never know. Tell me, Nathan, how many people that wanted to be AFL footballers that didn't quite make it went on and we go, well, what about that? And, you know, and that, now they became, yeah, I, I understand that, Josh. <laughs> um, so how, how many of those? Because there's probably a whole lot of people out there that are thinking, gee whiz, I wish I was an AFL footballer. And wait a minute. There is a whole new career for them they don't even know about. Yeah, hey, absolutely. And listen, you might not have the motive to be able to run out a game and you just might be a good kid from the country or, you know, Heidelberg. doesn't matter. If you can kick a football, we've got to teach you to play. We've had that many stories of young 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds, didn't even go TAC and weren't selected anywhere but could kick a football. And then we've literally had to train them up also on the mental side of it to be able to handle the pressures that they're going into and within a 12-month period have gone from, oh, my name's Jack, can I come down to Pro Kick and have a lesson, join the program and within 12 months they're playing a new sport for the first time and their first ever game is in front of 105,000 people. <laughs> and not unlike Josh, Josh's first game, we've got literally guys whose first ever, Cameron Johnson, two-year rookie at Melbourne, didn't get a game, got injured, Came down, had a kick, and then he played four years at Ohio State in, in the NFL now. But his average crowd at Ohio State was 104,000 people. And it's like, oh, it did, and change their lives because they love to kick a football. I do just want to say, like, I didn't have a massive kick, Choco, you can attest to that, maybe slightly above average. Yeah, ended my AFL career, not what I wanted, but to have this opportunity to punt absolutely changed my life. And I honestly owe so much to Nathan and Wait a minute, how did you end your career in AFL? How? How? Let's be serious. How? Oh, I'm saying I got, I got delisted. Yeah, you got so, broken leg and all that stuff. Oh, that, that, right. that didn't help, did it? No, that didn't no, help. It wasn't ideal. So punting was pretty perfect. No, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That you know, uh, strange things happen in footy, and yeah. if you take this other opportunity, wow, why not? It's, exactly right. Uh, I, I, I'm so proud of people like yourself that have gone on and found something else. Good on you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it. I would love that because you've got a second option. There's nothing worse than stressing out that one thing is your only option in life. And if it doesn't work out, well, what is there next? 
this has relieved so much stress from people thinking, well, what if AFL doesn't work out? And they go, well, actually, I've got something else to do. The amount of stress that comes off and go, hey, I've got, I've got options. And they start to smile again. You'd, yeah. that, you'd be surprised at how many guys come to us from an AFL slash VFL level not getting a game in the senior team come down, realise that this is an option, and we actually say, can you just now go back? We, we sort of tease them a little bit and go, now that you know this is an option, can you go and play the rest of the AFL, VFL footy season with effervescence and confidence? Can you take a hanger this week? Actually, I want to see a barrel. They go back and love the game again, and they, but fair dinkum, go back and then start playing senior football, and we never see them. It's like literally a weight off their shoulders to know there's options. So, mate, all good. If you love, like, you gotta love what you do. That's been a consistent message all night, which is a, which is a good one. Thanks, Nate. Thanks for jumping on, and we'll add your website in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode and want even more, our academy is for you. The Prepare Like a Pro Academy is a platform that hosts exclusive features and bonus content, such as Q and A segment aimed at getting to know the guests on a more personal level. Here's an example with Emily Meehan, head sports dietitian of Collingwood Football Club. What are things that, that fire you up? Oh, this one is always, uh, so I suppose it is, um, it'll be topical for most people, I think, but staying in your lane. And I yep. often find that with nutrition, everyone eats, so everyone has an opinion. And I think that's what really gets me fired up um, because so many people try and provide nutrition advice based on their end of one experience when they did intermittent fasting or keto or whatever it might be and then game changers yeah, game changers whatever that might be and look it probably keeps me in a job but that it does drive me insane because yeah. sometimes the information can be so detrimental um, and opposite to what I've been working with my athlete or athletes and you know and because they hear it on someone's socials or through a documentary it unravels everything that i've been working with an athlete for yeah yeah another feature of our academy is the opportunity each week to join myself as co-host on the prepare like a pro live chat show here's an example with academy member rama davies the friendly conditioning coach at the box hill Hawks. Welcome, Rama, to the chat. Uh, Rama has also worked at, at Box Hill, or currently he's working at Box Hill Hawks with us, awesome. so he's another Box Hill man uh, in the strength and conditioning department. So I'll handle it over to you, Rama, to, to ask you a question, mate. Thanks for joining us. Excellent. Thanks, Jack. And, yeah, thanks, um, thanks, Sam, for the chat. It was uh, I found it to be really insightful, plenty of gems in there, um, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, mate, my, my question to you was, you spoke a, a, quite a bit about, um, perspective during that chat. Um, and I was wondering what are some of the things that you either know or, um, do physically that, um, you wish you either knew or did, um, back at the beginning of your career? Uh, what are some of those things? Mm, yeah, good question. Um, yeah, so I suppose with perspective on life, um, that sort of point, um, it yeah certainly yeah has been massive for me now, and and didn't probably have that as much um, when I was younger. Um, I suppose one thing I might mention is is gratitude. I spend a lot of my mm. time um, doing a lot of gratitude exercises, listening to podcasts, 
doing a, a journal every day just a bit to say what I'm grateful for sort of three things and um, that's a fantastic way that I've been able to yeah like reset and and just kind of gain that gratitude and perspective about you know that there is more to life than football or you know might be whatever as an SNC coach you know if something's you're having a hard time um, it can be massive with just yeah opening your eyes a little bit and losing that sort of tunnel vision or being stuck in that in that work bubble um, yeah. so that's that's been huge um, I think I wish back then when I was younger, I asked more questions and was a bit more open to different things. Mm -hmm. I think I was a bit single-minded back then. And, um, you know, I thought there was one way of doing things. And, um, if I kind of didn't have that fear of, you know, asking a silly question or fear of judgment, it would have got me a lot further and I probably would have learned a lot quicker. Um, and yeah. and yeah, like just, yeah, being open to sort of different things. Um, cause you never know what you might find. It's just, yeah, there's so many people, like great people out there, knowledgeable people to learn off. And there's plenty more where that came from. If you would like to learn more, then enter patreon.com forward slash prepare like a pro or head to the link in our show notes. Thank you for listening to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. If you like this episode, it'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, give a review or even share with your mates. The show is recorded in Melbourne, Australia. Be sure to follow our Instagram page for all updates on our latest and greatest. If you would like to get in touch to suggest a guest or advertise with the Prepare Like a Pro podcast, please email me at jack at preparelikeapro.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.